Surah Al-Ahzab Surah Al-Ahzab is a Madni Surah and it was revealed in the fifth year of Hijrah and it was revealed after the battle of Ahzab This Surah it contains 73 verses and just like Surah An-Nur This surah is also the last surah of its group. Remember in Surah An-Nur I told you a group of Makki surahs which ends with a Madni surah. All right? So Surah An-Nur, Madni surah, after that we studied a group of Makki surahs, all right? And now a Madni surah. Which surah is this? Surah Al-Ahzab. Why do you think it's like that? Madni, a whole lot of Makki and then Madni and then Makki again. Why? Because Makki surahs, what is their theme? Tawheed. Iman billah and Iman bil akhirah. Believing in Allah, believing in the hereafter. And this conviction, building this conviction that the Qur'an is al-haq. Right? And then comes a madni surah with commands. Now if you think about it, to follow any command of Allah, What is necessary? Iman. Iman billah, iman bil-akhirah are the two primary foundations on which a person's iman is built. And if iman is there, then action is there. So this is why in a group of Makki surahs, iman is strengthened. And then in the Madni surah, commands are given, laws are given. So in Surah Al-Ahzab also, various commands are given regarding, for example, The concept of a tabanni Tabanni is basically calling someone your son, giving them your legal name. All right. Likewise, lihar. What is lihar? It, it was a way of giving divorce amongst the Jahili Arabs, that how they would say to their wife that you are to me like my mother. So it would be like a permanent divorce. So that issue is resolved in the surah. Likewise, certain commands concerning hijab. All right. And especially those relating to the household, the family of the Prophet ﷺ, they are given in this surah. Because a person cannot externally surrender to Allah unless he has internally surrendered. Hmm? So now is a good time to check ourselves. Because we all say, yeah, I love Allah. Right? I submit to Allah. I obey Allah. So when these commands are given, which are related to our actions, which are related to our cultural practices, then how do we surrender? How do we obey? This is a test. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, O Prophet, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, ittaqillaha, fear Allah. وَلَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ And do not obey those who disbelieve and those who are hypocrites. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Indeed, Allah is ever-knowing and ever-wise. The surah has a very powerful beginning. The Prophet ﷺ is directly addressed. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيُّ O Prophet, O Prophet of Allah. And the word Nabi is from the word Naba. Naba is news. Nabi is the one who gives news. Meaning Al-Mukhbir, the one who gives 
information, the one who passes on the message that was given to him. So, O Prophet ﷺ, your obligation is to convey the naba. Right? Your obligation, your duty is to convey the message which has been given to you. And Nabi also is from the word Nabwa, which is a high place. So Nabi also means Rafi'ul Qadr, meaning the one who has a very high level, high status amongst mankind. So O Prophet, O you who has been chosen above the rest of humanity, with a certain task, with a certain obligation, the Prophet ﷺ is being addressed over here. And what is he told? Ittaqillaha, you must fear Allah. The Prophet ﷺ is never addressed in the Quran by name. We don't read a single ayah in the Quran in which we see, Ya Muhammad ﷺ, he is being addressed directly with his name. Rather, he is always addressed with a title. Right? So, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu. And this is a reminder to him and also to us that who was the Prophet ﷺ? Not just an ordinary man. He was a man whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for a certain task. He has a right upon us and we have a right upon him. The Prophet ﷺ said that from all of the prophets, I am yours. And from all of the nations, you are mine. That I am your prophet and you are my ummah. The Prophet ﷺ, he did his part, right, of conveying his message to us. Now what are we doing? That is what we need to see. So, Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu, O Prophet ﷺ, ittaqillaha, fear Allah. Did the Prophet ﷺ not fear Allah? Because of which Allah said to him here, ittaqillaha, he was someone who had taqwa of Allah. So why is this said? Ittaqillaha. This is amr, this is command for the purpose of istimrar. Amr istimrar meaning continue in this way. Ittaqillaha meaning remain. Remain in the fear of Allah. Continue to have taqwa of Allah. This is not something that you should adopt and then leave. Taqwa of Allah should not be such that it's just a phase in our lives. For one year we have a lot of taqwa. For one month we have a lot of taqwa and then we forget about it. In one place we have a lot of taqwa and then we forget about it. Yes, of course, iman is something that increases and decreases. However, ittaqillaha, continue to fear Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said, ittaqillaha haythu ma kunta. Fear Allah wherever you are. At school, at home, at work, at masjid, wherever you are. So, O Prophet, fear Allah. What is taqwa? Taqwa is that you act according to the guidance that Allah has given. Hmm? And that means you do some things and you leave other things. Why do you do that? In hope of receiving reward from Allah and also out of fear of punishment. Because we are, after all, His servants. And he is going to question us. So taqwa is to leave something out of the fear of Allah or do something out of the fear of Allah. And in this is both fear and hope. Khawfan wa tama'an. So ittaqillaha, the command is for the Prophet wasallam, And through him, this command is for who? For all of us. For the entire ummah. 
You see, no matter what rank and what position one reaches, they must continue to have the fear of Allah. If the Prophet ﷺ is instructed, اِتَّقِ then who can be exempted from this? Who can say, oh, I don't need to observe taqwa? Everyone needs to. If Muhammad ﷺ had to, then what about us? There's no one who is exempt from this. اِتَّقِ Secondly, he is told, وَلَا تُطِعْ And do not obey. From the word ita'a. Ita'a is obedience. That someone tells you to do something and you do it. Someone tells you don't do it and you don't do it. You're listening to them. This is ita'a. So do not obey. Do not obey who? Al-kafirin. Those who do kufr. Wal-munafiqeen. And those who have nifaq. Who are al-kafirin? External opponents. Right? Those who oppose your Islam. Those whose mission in life is to finish you. And there were many such people that existed in the life of the Prophet ﷺ who openly rejected the message of the Prophet ﷺ and didn't just reject it, but they were opposing it. So don't obey them. Munafiqeen, And also don't obey the hypocrites. Who are the munafiqeen? Opponents from within. Because they are those who pretend to be Muslim, but their loyalties are not with Islam. They pretend to be Muslim, but their hearts are void of any love for Allah, any love for the Prophet ﷺ, any love for the Qur'an. There is no iman, there is no real iman. And the munafiqeen especially, what would they do? Anytime a command was revealed, right? Anytime the Muslims were to do something, the munafiqeen, their job was to just make noise. Just make noise. Oh, why do we have to do this? Oh, but this is so difficult, but this is impossible. They were the ones who were creating chaos, creating confusion, causing weakness amongst the Muslims. So do not obey the kafirin and do not obey the munafiqeen. And notice this is coming right after ittaqillaha. That out of the fear of Allah, you must not succumb to what your opponents say to you. No matter how much they pressurize you, whether it's the kafirin or the munafiqeen, your fear of Allah should always be greater. And because of that, you must always choose to obey Allah. Now this ayah does not mean don't obey those who disbelieve, those who are not Muslim, don't obey them, period, at all. So for example, if there is a teacher who happens to be a non-Muslim, and if they tell you to do your homework, you don't say over here, Allah says, لا تطير الكافرين. So you know what? I don't need to do my homework. This is very wrong understanding. Right? Or that we're driving and we're breaking the traffic laws and we're saying, Oh, لا تطير الكافرين. I witnessed this with my own eyes. Somebody was making an illegal turn somewhere. Alright? And another person corrected them and they said, You know, we don't have to worry about the laws of people. We only need to worry about the laws of Allah. And I'm like, well, Allah has told us to, you know, to fulfill our promises. And if we're living in a country, we're living with other people, we've made a promise with them. When you got your driver's license, you made certain, you know, you promised to do certain things, to abide by certain laws. When you got your citizenship, when you got your, you know, residency or whatever, you made a promise that you were going to abide by the laws of the land. And Allah is the one who orders us, awfu bil so over here, لَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ doesn't mean 
that you don't obey them at all in anything. No. This means when they tell you to do something that contradicts the law of Allah, then there you're not going to obey them. Who are you going to obey? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in the matters that contradict your faith, you're not going to obey them. No matter how much they pressurize you. No matter how much they tell you. So if they tell you, directly or indirectly, because sometimes they order you directly, and sometimes they order you indirectly. So if they tell you to be, for example, free in your relationships, right? That you can have relationships outside of marriage, or to leave your prayer, or to leave your hijab, then do not obey them. If they tell you to consume what is unlawful, do not obey them. And when they impress you with your knowledge, when they impress you with their research, then at that time, remember, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا Indeed, Allah, He is alim. His ilm is greater than the ilm of all people. So if He has commanded of something, it's better. And He is hakim. He is also wise. Therefore, He is deserving that you follow Him and that you obey Him. You see, in Surah Al-Ahzab, like I mentioned, a lot of commands are given. Alright? And these commands were basically going to shake up the whole Arab society. Okay? So for example, one of the commands was, which we will learn in the following verses, about adoption. Hmm? That if you have raised a child as if he was yours, you cannot give him your legal name. Right? His last name will not be your name. If he's not your biological child, he does not get your name. What name should he be given? Of his biological father. Right? Of his blood relatives. That's the name that he should be given. Now the thing is, you might be like, yeah, of course that makes sense. But in that society, if someone was considered an adopted son, they got your name, they took your inheritance. They took your inheritance. They were like a part of you. You were like a part of them. So all of a sudden, when people are told, this is not going to continue anymore. And in fact, the Prophet ﷺ's family was also going to be affected over here. Because you see, Zaid bin Haritha was known as who? Zaid bin Muhammad ﷺ. That is how he was known. People did not know that he was actually an adopted son and not a real son. They didn't know. So, you see, any any such thing is enough to make some people at least uncomfortable. Right? So some people were, of course, accepting, submissive. خَرُّوا سُجَّدًا وَسَبَّحُوا بِحَمْدِ رَبِّهِمْ And there were other people who weren't happy about it at all. And amongst them were munafiqeen, and amongst them were kafirin. The kafirin, they got a chance to criticize Islam even more. And the munafiqeen, they got a chance to make a whole lot of noise on a newer issue now. You understand? So anytime a command came, anytime, the Prophet ﷺ would have to face a lot of opposition, direct and indirect, from who? From the kafirin and the munafiqeen. So Allah says over here, اِتَّقِلَّهَ You should fear Allah and do not obey the kafirin and munafiqeen. And remember, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ عَلِيمًا حَكِيمًا وَاتَّبِعْ And follow مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْكَ That which is revealed to you مِنْ رَبِّكَ from your Lord. What is it that you should follow? 
Don't follow what these people say to you. Instead, you must follow that which has been revealed to you from your Lord. And what is it that was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ? The Qur'an. And remember, there's two types of wahi. Wahi matlu and wahi ghayr matlu. Wahi that is recited, which is in the form of the Qur'an. And wahi that is not recited, meaning the other teachings that the Prophet ﷺ was given. So whatever your Lord has instructed you, you have to follow that. Inna Allah, indeed Allah, kana, He is ever, bima ta'maluna, with whatever that you do, khabira, acquainted, fully aware. You see, khabir, one who has khabr, right? This is different from alim. Alim is to have knowledge. Khabir is to have a deeper level of understanding, of knowledge, of awareness. Alright? Because Khabir is basically one who knows even the hidden matters. Even the hidden matters. So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرًا Meaning, nothing of your deeds is hidden from Allah. So, again, the Prophet ﷺ is ordered over here, اِتَّبِعْ مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ and the same command is for us. If the Prophet ﷺ is ordered to follow, then what about us? We are also ordered to follow. Now generally what prevents a person from following what Allah has revealed is what the people say. Right? The criticism of people. Their pressure. So this is made clear. You do not follow them. Instead, who do you follow? What do you follow? That which Allah has revealed. وَتَوَكَّلْ And you rely عَلَى اللَّهِ upon Allah. Rely upon Allah. In which matter? In the matter of obedience? In the matter of ittiba'ah? Right? Of obeying, following what has been revealed? And in dealing with your opponents? You trust in Allah. وَكَفَى And He is sufficient. بِاللَّهِ Definitely Allah. وَكِيلَ As disposer of affairs. Allah is sufficient as disposer of affairs. Kafa is from kifaya. What does kifaya mean? To be sufficient. When something is enough in such a way that nothing is needed after that. Alright? Nothing is needed after that. It's sufficient. Because it's complete. So, Allah is enough as wakil. Who is wakil? Wakil is one who is given control or powers of administration. So basically, he decides everything. He takes care of everything. So Allah is enough as disposer of all affairs. And He will also take care of the affairs that concern you, of the problems that come your way. So in this ayah, the Prophet ﷺ is commanded to have complete reliance upon who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because difficulties will come upon this way. So rely upon Allah, not yourself. Rely upon Allah, not the creation. Don't even look towards the creation for their support and aid. When these commands will come, you will of course want some kind of support from people. But don't even expect it. Allah will suffice you. Because none of these people will come to your aid. They will only betray you and try to put you in greater harm. And none of them have the power to benefit you or harm you. So why rely upon them? Why obey them? 
Rely upon who? Upon Allah. In Surah Al-Furqan, Ayah 58, Allah says, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى الْحَيِّ الَّذِي لَا يَمُوتِ Rely upon the ever-living one who does not die. Now we see over here that the surah begins with, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّبِيِّ And then certain commands follow. Which commands? First of all, اتَّقِ اللَّهَ Secondly, hmm? لَا تُطِعِ الْكَافِرِينَ وَالْمُنَافِقِينَ Thirdly, وَاتَّبِعْ مَا يُوحَى إِلَيْكَ مِنْ رَبِّكَ And fourthly, وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Because at first you need the fear of Allah. Taqwa comes first. When you fear Allah, then you can stop fearing people. And what people will say. And what people will do. And what they will falsely accuse you of. And the noise that they will create about you. When you increase in your fear of Allah, then the fear of people will naturally reduce. And just think about yourself now. When is it that we can really worship Allah properly? When we fear Him. Isn't it? Think about it. If you happen to be at school, and it's time for zuhur, and you know that by the time you'll get home, it'll be almost maghrib time. So you have to pray zuhur at school. Isn't it? These days especially, you have to pray zuhur at school. So then what do you do? What makes you pray zuhur at school? The fear of Allah. Because your mom's not there to check on you. Your dad's not there to check on you. Your Muslim friend is not there to check on you. So what is it that will make you get up and pray? What? It's the fear of Allah. Right? So the fear of Allah, it gives you so much strength that you don't fear people anymore. Fear of Allah is what gives you the confidence to obey Him. So taqwa leads to ittiba' وَالتَّبِعُ Alright? You follow then. But then, of course, we're human beings and these fears are real. They're not imaginary. They are very real. So for example, it's very much possible that when you go to the bathroom to do wudu, and you're washing your arms, people will be staring at you, what are you doing? I thought you were weird, but now I really know that you're weird. Alright? Especially if they see you washing your feet in the sink. Isn't it? So then, how do you deal with it? Just don't think too much about it. وَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَى اللَّهِ Right? You rely upon Allah, that Allah is the giver of honor. Go ahead. I think the hardest part about praying at school is the wudu part of it. So usually if I have to like do wudu, I either try to make like do it from home or like... You do wudu and put your socks on so that or, you don't have to yeah. wash your feet. Or yeah. I wait until the washroom's empty or something. Or I do like the less embarrassing parts of wudu first, like obviously in order. So like I'll, I'll wash my, rinse my mouth, wash my face, and then like I'll take a water bottle in the toilet or something and like wash my arms over there or like wipe them there. You know? uh. And then yeah, that way it's so much easier. Yeah. And sometimes it happens that people do see you even praying and they make fun of you or they look down on you. Not everybody. It's possible that you come across some people who do treat you differently because of the fact that you're practicing Islam. So over there, what is it that should make you fearless? Allah will take care of it. Right? وَتَوَكَّلَ عَلَى Allah. The thing is that Surat Al-Mustaqim, the right path, is a very difficult path. It's not easy. The Prophet ﷺ himself told us that I saw the way to Jannah and it was surrounded by what? Difficulties. Difficulties. 
So it's not easy. So when you face difficulties and challenges, then what do you need to do? You can't fix them. Can you? So for example, do you have control over this? That you're doing wudu and somebody is staring at you and looking down at you and you know maybe even passing negative comments. Do you have control over that situation? Can you fix the damage that has been done? Can you? Can you erase that memory from their brain? You can't. Can you stop them from saying anything negative about you? You can't. So then what do you need to do over there? Leave it to who? Allah. Allah, you take care of this. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى Allah. This might seem like a very small issue, but we learn tawakkul through these issues, whatever issues that we're facing in our lives. That, oh Allah, you take care of it, you fix this for me, you give me the confidence, you facilitate this path for me, you make it easier for me. And when you rely upon Allah, then Allah will guide you. Allah will guide your heart. Allah will strengthen you. Allah will create ways for you. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Trust upon Allah. Trust upon Allah. Whose servant are you? Who are you calling upon? Who are you calling upon? Allah. Who are you relying upon? Allah. So be confident. Don't be shaky here. Don't be fearful here. وَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا Allah is sufficient as disposer of affairs. And you see in the previous ayah, in ayah number two, that إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ خَبِيرًا Whatever you're doing, wherever you're doing it, Allah knows about it. You can't hide from Him. So you better do what is right, fearing Him and relying upon Him. Now this was the introduction to the surah. Now, come the commands. The first thing, Allah says, ma not, ja'ala, He has made, Allahu Allah. Allah has not made, لِرَجُلٍ for any man, min from qalbaini, two hearts. fi jawfihi in his body. Qalbain is the dual of qalb. And jawf is body. Alright? So Allah has not made for any person, two hearts. In your body, how many hearts are there? One heart. Why not two hearts? Why not two? Because what is the role of the heart? The heart is the king. Isn't it? In the physical way and also in the spiritual way. Alright? It's the king. Can you have two kings? You can't. There's got to be only one king. Right? It is said that there was a, a man at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, who said that I'm more intelligent than Muhammad ﷺ because I have two hearts. Okay, he said, I have two hearts, I'm more intelligent. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is refuting that over here, that no. مَا جَعَلَ اللَّهُ لِرَجُلٍ مِنْ قَلْبَيْنِ فِي جَوْفِهِ There is only one heart. No person has a heart of iman and a heart of kufr in his body. Hmm? broaden the understanding over here. No person has two hearts. One heart of iman and another heart of kufr. No. There is only one heart. And the heart is the king. It's the boss. And there is only one boss. So just as two hearts cannot exist in one body, likewise iman and kufr, conflicting beliefs cannot exist in the same heart. Opposite beliefs cannot exist in the same hearts. 
on the one hand is obedience to Allah and the opposite of that is obedience to those who reject so you choose whose servant you're going to be now this is an invitation to look inside ourselves and identify any contradictions that may exist in our hearts whose servant am i really whose pleasure is it that i am pursuing what is it that i want at the end of my life what is it that i'm really seeking because two opposite things cannot coexist one will take over the other so iman and kufr cannot exist in the same heart right two hearts cannot exist in the same body one will overtake the other so because in the previous ayat in the beginning of the surah it's a very powerful beginning that you choose who servant you want to be right you choose you want to be allah's servant then you fear allah you want to be allah's servant then you follow what allah has revealed and you trust allah and you rely upon him and if not then that is a completely different way of life so ma ja'ala allahu li rajulin min qalbayni fi jawfihi wama annat ja'ala he has made azwajakum your wives azwaj plural of zawj over here it means wife so your wives allai those who allai is a plural of allati allati she allai those who meaning those women who so those wives of yours whom you tulahiruna tulahiruna you pronounce zihar minhunna from them meaning those wives of yours whom you pronounce zihar against allah has not made them ummahatikum your mothers ummahat plural of um all right now what is zihar this was a way of giving permanent divorce So a man would say to his wife, "Anti alayya ka zahri ummi." The word "zihar" is from "zahr," right? That you are to me like the back of my mother. So just like my mother is haram on me, you are haram on me. You understand? Just like my mother is haram on me, you are haram on me. So basically, there is no relationship between us, physical relationship. All right? So Allah says. that your wife if you pronounce zihar against her you can call her your mother all you want but she doesn't become your mother she is your wife wama ja'ala and he has not made adriyaakum your adopted sons abnaakum your real sons meaning your adopted sons are not your real sons adriya is a plural of dai da'i just as ghani is a singular of aghniya ghani aghniya da'i ad'iya nabi anbiya you understand sounds similar right so da'i who is da'i da'i is from the root letters dal ain waw da'a yadru is to call and da'i is basically someone who is called a son who is not actually a son meaning is not your biological son but you call him a son so basically an adopted son so wama ja'ala adriya'akum abna'akum if you call somebody your son he doesn't actually become your son allah says zalikum that o oh you what you calling your wife your mother 
or you calling your adopted son your real son, that is just قَوْلُكُمْ Your word, your statement, بِأَفْوَاهِكُمْ With your mouths. Meaning it's just something you say. It doesn't change reality. وَاللَّهُ يَقُولُ الْحَقِّ And Allah speaks the truth. Allah is saying that which is real. You are trying to pretend, right, that somebody is your real son or that somebody is your mother. These are all words. Allah is telling you the truth. وَهُوَ يَهْدِ السَّبِيلِ And He guides to the right way. Because this was going to create a lot of disturbance in the community now, right? So Allah will guide you to the right way. Recitation. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها النبي اتق الله ولا تطع الكافرين والمنافقين إن الله كان عليما حكيما واتبع ما يوحى إليك من ربك إن الله كان بما تعملون خبيرا وتوكل على الله وكفى بالله وكيلا ما جعل الله لرجل من قلبين في جوفه وَمَا جَعَلَ أَزْوَاجَكُمُ اللَّائِي تُظَاهِرُونَ مِنْهُنَّ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ وَمَا جَعَلَ أَدْعِيَاءَكُمْ أَبْنَاءَكُمْ ذَلِكُمْ قَوْلُكُمْ بِأَفْوَاهِكُمْ وَاللَّهُ يَقُولُ الْحَقَّ وَهُوَ يَهْدِ السَّبِيلِ